you've trained yourself to not react when the price goes down. I'm telling you now, you know why the price goes down because financial morons between September and November sell so they can buy between November and January. That's how it works. Good afternoon. I'm Vince Lancy, and this is the Arcadia Economics Silver Fix. I'm recording at 10.03 a.m. Monday morning for 1 p.m. airing. Tough week last week, and last week continues into today. So what I'd like to do uh, for hopefully for all of our benefits is to remind everyone without making stuff up uh, about what these markets are doing, why they're doing it, and why you shouldn't sweat last week. This is a post I sent out to subscribers uh, at Goldfix, and it's about gold and silver. We're going to focus on the silver portion of it, and I'm going to put in some details that I did not put in that post for everyone's benefit. First of all, you know, it, nobody wants their hand held. They want to be told the truth. But at the same token, uh, you're trying to stave off a deep disappointment when a market does what it did on Friday as a microcosm. Friday was a microcosm of what goes on in the silver markets. And we're going to discuss Friday's behavior. We're going to discuss what is sell season, which is what we're in now, try and get everyone more comfortable with the situation. Uh, and we're going to talk about what comes next, which is buy season. But before we do that, I want to give you some concrete evidence that the futures market solely exists to keep a lid on silver and gold prices. Solely. Okay. Not only is there evidence of that coming out of the WikiLeaks post that James Anderson gave that to me a while ago. Hilarious. Um, I don't have that one handy, but I have a new one uh, for you all. So we're premiering something for you from 1979. All right. So let's, let's get to it. In 1979, the San Francisco Fed put out a letter. Uh, in those days, they were more transparent than now. They were less concerned with uh, perception of control. They would just basically say the quiet part out loud. And the problem in 79 was gold was beginning to percolate. It was trading around $400. And they were trying to, they were puzzling over how to get a handle on it. They weren't as derisive as they were, as they are now towards gold. They don't talk about silver here, but where gold goes, silver follows in this instance. And I want to show you a couple sections. Now, there's a couple sections of here. Oh, well, let's, let's go with this one first. Regardless of the situation, people around the world need shift only a small portion of their wealth into gold. Buy a few gold coins to bring about a drastic rise in its price. But by the same token, even a slight decline in gold's attractiveness can cause its price to tumble. So that gold is also a potentially risky investment. So he's saying that gold can be volatile and that perception of gold and silver 
uh, are 80% of the battle with these products, with this money. This is the basis of their whole philosophy. Number one, we need to stop people from buying a few gold coins. We need to dissuade them from that. We need to do things economically to dissuade them from that. That's what they need to do. But in this situation, they took this information and they created preventative measures. Buying a few gold coins, a couple ounces, if everyone in the world, we used to joke, if everyone in the world buys an ounce of silver, silver goes to everyone in China would buy an ounce of silver, silver would be $50 again in a heartbeat. But the, 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 the point of this is, take away from this little paragraph, only a small portion need to go into gold. Just buy a few coins to bring about a drastic rise in its price. But by the same token, even a slight decline in gold's attractiveness, perception can cause its price to tumble. All right? From that observation, they give you, I'll make this a little bit bigger for you all. By the way, incidentally, this is a um, uh, big hat tip to Albert Al, Albert Herm. I'm not sure how to say his last name, but we're mutuals on Twitter. All right. Here's where they lay out the beginning of the, to quote Chris, to Chris found this word, it just says a horrible word, <clears throat> tamping down of price. The mechanism by which they can tamp down price, All right? Gold and policy. Public officials feel pressure to do something about gold, understandably so, in view of its high visibility and past monetary role. In view of its high visibility, it's seen by the public. And the public, if the public sees it, they think about it. If they think about it, they react to it. And it's a comment, as Greenpan would say, on the competency of the Federal Reserve and past monetary role. They're already throwing the words in there, past monetary role, not current monetary role, not, not monetary role. Increased gold sales by the U.S. and International Monetary Fund could help dampen the rise in gold prices. That's what they did in the 70s. Early on, it didn't work. But even if sales were, say, doubled, they would remain small compared to the stock now in private hands and thus would be unlikely to reverse the upward price trend. Indeed, expanded sales could backfire. By sales, they mean physical sales. They're saying for us to sell more physical gold would probably backfire because so much of the gold that's out there is in strong hands uh, and it's not going to come out. Indeed, expanded sales could backfire if they were perceived as a substitute for tighter domestic economic policies. Meaning, if we see that you're selling gold because you're not doing your job fixing the economy, then we're not going to sell our gold. We're just going to buy more of your gold. Again, any attempt to restrict private purchase of gold could also backfire because investors might then turn back to strong currencies such as the mark and the, uh, the Swiss franc probably, right? Yeah. All right. So take away from this, I'm a person who's got to solve this problem. How can we sell gold and silver without selling them? And going back to the other post, other other page, how can we change the perception of gold? Well, we want to broadcast the price, right? 
we want them to see the price and they want we want them to see the prices going down. And so futures exchanges came about as a result of this. So nothing you don't know already, but I want to remind you that the only purpose of price on a futures exchange broadcasting is to get someone who's long to sell. That's all it's there for. And they're selling futures to buy physical. Okay, this is 1979. 1979. They were looking at it then, and they created futures as a result of that. So why are we going through that? Well, we're going through that because I want to take that concept and remind you that the price on the COMEX screen doesn't matter. It matters if you're a buyer. If you're a seller, it doesn't matter. It's just trying to make weekends come out. All right, let's start with the good news, and then we'll get into how we get to the good news. Every year, almost every year since 2009 or earlier, between the months of November and January, silver rises, sometimes very significantly. Not always, most of the time. And the reason that happens is between November and January, you have domestic investor demand that comes into the market preparing for 2024 in this instance. And during that time frame, people start to stock up. Banks start to buy. Smart hedge funds start to buy. People start to buy. You can call it Christmas buying if you want, uh, but you have Diwali season. That's for gold, but silver is obviously affected. China goes into a buying season. So between November and January, Silver and gold almost always go up. That's seasonality. That's something that cannot be hidden. That's because it's real physical demand. Now, what about before? See those yellow arrows? First one is down. Horrible year, very hard year. This is after a hangover, right? All right, up. November to January, up. November to January, up, November to January, up, 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 down, up. Okay. See that? That's what happens. Now. By the way, in here, we'll talk about we'll talk about this. So you have one, two out of the last 10 years. So 80% of the time, silver goes up between November and January. If you want to blindly speculate, and I'm not telling you to do that, you want to buy it in November as we approach Thanksgiving, and you want to sell it in the first week in January. You buy it, you look away, you walk away, and you come back. It will trade higher in January. It may not stay higher. 80% of the time, it will be higher. You'll make money. So how do we get to this how do we get to this promised land of seasonality? Well, we have to go through hell. And we're going through hell right now. And let me introduce you to what hell looks like. Between August and October, precisely it's hard to say. Sometimes it's September. Sometimes it starts in October. Sometimes it's very short. Sometimes it starts in August. Sometimes it starts in September. Sometimes it starts in October. But generally speaking, from the middle of August through the end of October is sell season. And sell season is a direct result of the futures market being created. Just creating the futures market creates sell season. Speculators and funds and banks 
and investment people after the middle of the year comes, they don't get new money to put into the markets. They start getting money taken away from them by their bosses because they want to keep some of their powder dry for buy season. So they start selling so they can buy it three months later. And it becomes a front running game. I need to get out before the holiday. And it starts, you know, it started, used to start. It's like you go out for, you go out and like, you're probably seeing Christmas decorations up now. And we haven't even had Halloween yet, that type of stuff, right? So banks and traders and hedge funds, I did this. Oh, buy season is coming up and I'm long. Let me get out now and I'll buy it back then. So I didn't get short. Well, I did get short, but you don't have to get short. All you have to do is get out of longs. So what happens during this time period is as the big boys are pulling in their reins, the financial people, not the physical people, are pulling in their reins. They're having a, an over, an exaggerated effect on the market price, and they're liquidating. I'm long. It's August. It's after the end of the year. I'll start selling in September. So when the market rallies, they sell. See what happened on Friday? When the market rallies, they sell. Was someone front-running that? Yeah, we'll come to that in a second. So take a look at this now. The pink lines, the pink arrows, I'll make this a little bit bigger. See this year? This was opposite year. We can talk about that, why. It's important to know why exceptions happen, and I'll tell you why that happened. There were just too many longs still hung over from 2011. They still had to get out. All right, so we have the market. By the way, it frequently makes a high in August and then just sells off between August and October. Not always. You can observe that, right? A high, sell-off, buy season. Now, buy season doesn't have to last all year. Buy season's November, December, January. November, December, January. And if it extends to February, then, you know, God bless you. All right. So here we go. Look at this. Very steep. Not a big buy season, but it doesn't go down. Small, less volatile year, up. Of course, this one continues, though, right? Steep down, up, down a little bit, up a little bit, down, up. It's clockwork, guys, right? Choppy, but still, started here, finished there. That's lower, right? Up for three months, and then, boom, washed out. We don't know why. Okay, we actually do know why. That's, uh, that's uh, COVID. All right, so here we go. A lot of people got long, so you have a big exit. August, September, and October, November, December, and January. See that? Now, last year, last year was painful, right? Well, not last year. This year was painful, right? Liquidation and continued liquidation. Now, I'll tell you what happened in this year. You have to look at the exceptions. In this year, people took their money out of silver at the bank level and put it into gold. So when the buy season came along, there wasn't really a lot of... Uh, uh, money allocated to precious metals in general. A lot of people were putting their money into oil that year. Oh, and also, this is the year that Bitcoin came on the scene, cannibalizing precious metals flows. That's what happened there. So we didn't get the buyers that we got seasonally. Some of that money went into Bitcoin. Here we go. Last year, big one last year, okay? We won't have a big one this year. I mean, we could, but I don't see it. This year, huge sell season. I mean, not only did it sell off in sell season, but it was selling off before then. And that was because the Fed started raising rates in April, May, June, July, August, September, September, October. You know, I'm sorry, 
uh, August, September, October, November, right? Uh, this is November, I say, right? But you could just see what I'm talking about here. Here's November. And then this is where we took off. This is where all the Indian buying came in, right in here. Okay, so look at this. If you believe that the futures market, as I do, is created to keep a lid on physical precious metals demand, it is. And you are, you've trained yourself to not react when the price goes down. I'm telling you now, you know why the price goes down because financial morons between September and November sell so they can buy between November and January. That's how it works. We're in that cycle. Big seasonality in this market. People don't understand that, but it's U.S. seasonality and it's completely manufactured because they created a futures market. If there's no futures market, this wouldn't happen. If you're looking for a parallel, it's kind of like a tax loss season. Losers get sold. You know, profits get sold later. That's how it works. So that's it. And, you know, I've been talking about this for three years now. I've been trading it for 10 years. You know, I'm not afraid to get short this market once in a while. And, you know, this is not easy to do, you know, and I forget that. But if you're a stacker and an owner and you recognize that paper is just paper, then trade it as paper. Don't call it silver. Call it Singer. Just say, oh, I think it's going to go down and sell it. I think it's going to go up and buy it. It's just something to trade. It's not physical silver. Um, and to put a to put a, a a punctuation mark on that, uh, Chris is involved in precious metals. Uh, I purchased from him last year, and I'm going to purchase again this year. Between, um, I told him already. Between August and November, I'm probably going to purchase some more physical between August and November. And if I miss it, uh, meaning the market doesn't drop as much, I'll be long paper just to trade it out. And that's it. Uh, let's go very briefly, a quick look at the market itself. Oh, everybody's ready to be 73 cents. It's ridiculous. The lower it goes, the more they take. All right. See this day here? That, see that day right there? All right. I'll tell you what happened on Friday. On Friday, the CTAs got spooked. And so they started to cover and they bought. And there was a real seller at that price. It could have been the banks as well, but you had rebalancing. It's the end of the quarter, rebalancing your portfolio also tends to create window dressing. The market sold off. The story leaked that they were going to punt it down the road. The government shutdown, the government shutdown is going to come back. It's going to be a problem. I'm very bullish this complex as we approach November 1st, because November 17th is the deadline. So come October 31st, between probably between October 20th and November 17th, I'll be buying physical. And as a speculator, I will probably be getting long there as well. And why am I doing that? Because of the seasonality that I just explained to you, right? And the other part is, is government creates risk. I love that phrase. I wish I said it. I forget where I read it, where I saw it somewhere. 
Uh, hold on. Government creates risk, folks. They don't fix risk. They create risk and then pat themselves on the back for fixing it. So what did the U.S. do by giving themselves a 45-day uh, uh, stay of execution on the government shutdown? Well, what they did was they just punted it down the road again. And by punting it down the road again, you're going to see one of two things. It's very simple. You're either going to see them work on it right away because they don't want to have a problem going into the holidays, right? Or you're going to see the last minute rescue. So between now, whenever this market bottoms, I don't know when it's going to bottom. I don't know what price is going to bottom, but I know when it's going to bottom. It's going to bottom probably in October, late October. Between October 20th, let's say, and November 17th, as we get closer to the holiday, these people aren't going to do their work when they're supposed to. They're going to do it last minute because they want to get home for the holiday. And that's what's going to happen. Okay. So just, it's a paper price. Do you want to buy more? If you want to buy more, then buy between now and November 17th. You're going to get your shot because they're telling you they don't want the price to go up. And that's why the futures market was created to begin with. I'm not even getting into the manipulation, but that's what's going on. I'm Vince. Have a great day. Again, don't sweat what's going on right now. Gold and silver are money again. People don't get it. They're not going to get it. And when they do get it, it'll be too late. And they'll never admit it to you. Because when you're in denial for 10, 20 years, you can't admit you're wrong. You move on. And you say, oh, oh, well, I hate Bitcoin now. They find something else to hate. Cheers. Talk to you later.